0: God, this is, this is episode six. <laughs> First of all, you have no idea what's happening. <clears throat> and it's weird because I, I took one sip and I already feel tipsy. Um, Welcome to I Swear to Drunk I'm Not God. This is episode six of season two. We are just moving along, chugging along. I only got 14 episodes left. It's going to be great. In the house today, we have a... Uh, what? What was the last episode you were on? Wait a minute, we have Salvador Carmona. Who? Hey, y'all. Who hasn't been on this show? Hasn't been on here since. Matrice Richardson. That's it's crazy. In LA. Yeah. Yes, the Matrice Richardson, which had to be like what, like episode fourteen of the last season. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Been on for a season. <laughs> Well, you were also gone for months because of that dumbass strike. Oh um, man, I'm fractional. <laughs> <laughs> Our fractional cast member is back. Um, no, Sal is back. He has no idea what we're talking about. Um, we're trying to move this along because we're trying to get drunk later, even drunker than we are about to be <laughs> off this one drink. Trying to get to that hour. Trying to get to the old happy hour. But thank you. Thank you for coming back for all 12 of y'all that uh, that engage. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for doing this with me. You have no idea what we're doing today. And that's okay. I'm excited. I do the same thing to Kira. Kira. I'm
1: going in blindly.
0: <laughs> and you're going to be real confused because it is fucked up. I, um, you know, Kira, because I think the, like, I always, before last season, I tried to give you, like, more watered down episodes like that weren't so grotesque. Like Oh
1: no, is this one like gory and crazy? Nah, that's no.
0: Nah. It's nah. oh, okay. not as bad as yesterday. I mean yesterday. Last episode. Last okay. episode sucked. We uh I did it on Ed Gein. It's pretty terrible.
1: Shoot.
0: Yeah, that sucked. Um, but this one we're gonna do the toy box killer.
1: <clears throat> oh, okay. <laughs> that
0: sounds awful. <laughs> Just when I was like, it's not that bad. It's like <laughs>
1: This has to do with children, huh? Nah, nah, this don't have nothing to do
0: with children. Um, But the poison today is the white lady. (laughs) (laughs) Which I really didn't know was a drink. Until like, I was like, let me research some some different drinks, something I, because I, I was thinking, I was like, I always go back to lemon, I always go back to lavender, I always go back to gin, because you know, that's what I like to drink, and I'm doing it. So why not? Right. So I was like, you know what, let me spice this up. So this does have lemon and gin in it. But, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but no lavender, <laughs>
0: but no lavender. It's actually and I forgot an ingredient when I told you about it before. It's actually two ounces of gin, half ounce of triple sack. Uh, and a half and a half ounce of lemon juice and then one egg white and you dry shake it and then you shake it again with ice and then you strain it in a cocktail glass and boom you got you a white lady not an actual white lady
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then it's magically a white lady a white appears. lady just
0: pops out like, kind of like mary poppins <laughs> so okay so today we're going to talk about the toy box killer now toy box killer was david parker ray off the rip three names you already know he's gonna be fucked up most sadistic killers.
1: Serial <laughs> killer names.
0: Yeah. Um, he was a sadistic murderer and rapist. <clears throat> he was uh, suspe- suspected to have murdered 100 plus women Gosh. in New Mexico and Arizona between 1957 and 1999.
1: Jeez, that's yeah. a long career for a killer. The homie
0: was busy. Okay. Shit. So let's just do it. Take a sip. Take a sip. Sip it. Sip unsip sip it lock it feel it curl it find it <laughs> okay so let's talk about dpr i call them don't him
1: that. Don't. <laughs> don't already already giving him the old nickname acronym
0: <laughs> let's talk about dpr i don't i don't why do we the do that though <laughs> the
1: notorious dpr don't, don't.
0: oh ignorant douche. okay so let's talk about this douchebag he's such a douche um David Parker Ray was born November 6, 1939. He was born in Bellin, New Mexico, to Cecil Leland Ray and Nettie Opal Parker. They already sound like terrible parents. (laughs) I don't know. It's something about those names. Now, Cecil was a heavy drinker. Duh. It was 1939. Uh, he, He would beat his wife duh (laughs) wow uh as well as david and his younger sister pecky so this is starting off pretty fucking dark now david's childhood best friend audie miranda would later say that cecil quote had a temper i heard some things about his dad but i don't want to repeat them so we don't know what the fuck was going on now now cecil eventually walked out on his family when david was 10 Duh, because that's what fathers do. He, di- oh, shit. <laughs> he divorced Nettie and moved to Albuquerque. Now, Nettie moved in with her parents, and then she shipped David and Peggy to Mountain Air to live with their grandparents. Now, <clears throat> Ethan Ray, old man Parker, if you will, <laughs> <laughs> was a strict disciplinarian and insisted on the kids doing ranch work before and after school, trying to build a little work ethic there. yeah, now they were also very devout Christians, which is always concerning mm. they instilled their fundamentalist beliefs in <clears throat> to both Peggy and David. He would sometimes beat them if they didn't live up to his very high standards. he had like you know the standards of What would you call that? Like the early 20th century father, neat clothes, shirt always had to be buttoned. You know, that whole that whole situation Um, when he yeah, proper. When he had when he asked David to do something, David would jump and he was from an old school sense of discipline. And most of the people really didn't think that he was all that abusive. They just thought he was strict. Now, when David joined Mountaineer High School in seventh grade, he was already like a tall kid. He was like five, six already in the seventh grade, which is pretty tall because shit, that's two inches shorter than me. He was quiet. He got bullied a lot, though. And according to Audie, he was, quote, very docile. And even though he could defend himself, he didn't believe in violence. Mm -hmm. Now, one time while on a school bus, David was being bullied and he finally snapped and he... (laughs) I don't you know, know that why. was coming. Yeah, but it, you know, it didn't escalate, escalate, but they did pull the bus over and they mm. did break up the fight. Now by 15, he was almost, he now by 15, this kid's five, six, and he's not even defending himself. Uh, as far as his education was concerned, he carried a D average. Oh, so he <laughs> was an awful child. <laughs> <laughs> he was definitely an awful student. He wasn't necessarily an awful child, but yeah, he sucked but, uh, at learning. But, but
1: academics. Yeah. But his well, best had grades. To do farm work before and seriously, so, I'm like, how hey, you gonna have
0: time to do your homework? That's, that's prob- but that's his best prob- grades were in science reading and vocabulary, which reading and vocabulary, okay, you can read. So <laughs> it's like, who did get high scores in reading? <laughs> a lot of people didn't. R. Kelly didn't because he can't read.
1: <laughs> Look at him now.
0: Yeah. Prison you don't learn how to read, kids, you will go to jail.
1: (laughs) Lesson lesson number one for today.
0: Now, he could also play the trumpet. If you were curious, he was in the band. Now, look, even though the school was mixed, there were a lot of...
1: Is that why he got beat up? (laughs) Because he was in the band. What a
0: loser. (laughs) No, no. Instruments are good. Yes, instruments are good. They're just not cool. I played the trumpet. Oh, hello now.
1: <laughs> and then i stopped because <laughs> you were like this I got beat up. I'm, just, I'm just kidding i'm kidding i'm You're kidding like because
0: shit was one cool <laughs>
1: no.
0: now okay so now even though he was you know he was in a school with mixed kids there's no like you know because he was in there with mexicans and whites uh but david stayed with the white folks der uh he didn't have no trouble with nobody and You know, nobody ever said that the man was just like a blatant racist or anything like that. David was a very outdoorsy guy. He loved collecting stones and fossils. He spent a lot of time by himself and he didn't have a lot of friends. So. That makes sense, too. He developed a natural gift as a mechanic when his grandparents bought him a Cushman pacemaker motor scooter. And then that's where he gained his confidence because now all the boys needed to needed him to service their bikes. They were like, oh. yo, could you uh, could you fix that pedal?
1: He's like, oh, now
0: you like. He's like, me. oh, so now I'm, cool. now I'm cool. Now, by 13, though, he was already uh, exploring sadomasochism. Oh. Yeah, Wait. we jumped with what <laughs> as a virgin he would fantasize about tying women up and torturing them oh
1: i mean that's a lot for puberty and and that's a lot for puberty and sexuality anything like that like you see 13? where you see where we going yeah so i can see why he's had such a long murdering career <laughs>
0: Now, his he sister, was killing it. He was killing it. Shut
1: <laughs> up. Um, there's the dad joke. His,
0: <laughs> his sister said he discovered this when well, she discovered this when she found pornographic photos and drawings in his room. And when she confronted him, he said, oh, it's a new
1: hobby." No, she didn't.
0: She just brushed it off. He brushed it off. He was like, oh, "It's just a new hobby? hobby." Now, his fiance <clears throat> later would say that Uh, He told her that he had tied up a woman on a tree and tortured her to death when he was a teenager.
1: Yeah. Oh, wow.
0: Now, quote, the serial killer's first murder is an experience of intense psychological arousal. This was written by Jeremy, Dr. Jeremy Anderson in a 1994 paper. <clears throat> called the genesis of a serial killer fantasies' integral role in the creation of a monster dr anderson explained, there is a great pleasure center in the exertion of power and control over the victim the killer is at its peak sexual sadist <clears throat> sorry sexual sadistic fantasies help to control the child's fears and act as an outlet for hostility and aggression These aggressive centered fantasies, initially a form of escape for the children, come to serve as a substitute for the child's sense of mastery. In other words, the child learns to depend on the fantasies for feelings of control over self and over the external world. And virtually all serial killers reported childhood punishment and discipline as unfair, hostile, abusive and very inconsistent the primary caretakers of the future killer be they the parents grandparents or legal guardians are simply bad at their job which i can i can attest to this i've done 24 episodes and like five bonuses. I thought it was going to be personal. No, it's not personal. <laughs> it's like, like, I can attest to I'm this. I'm on my way. Listener, to be my eyes killer. bugged out. I you meant, know. what? Who, who, <laughs> what? Am I, who am I here with? No, I mean, I can attest to this because like I've done 25 episodes and I've watched a lot of documentaries and uh, I want to just throw out a percentage. I want to say about 99.9% of them all stem from terrible parenting. It's,
1: I mean, from when you started the story, you know he was like abused, abused by the father. The father left. I mean, it's all building up. Yeah. The, At first, the, I the, thought you were going to say abused by the father, the son, and the Holy Ghost, and, I was and, like, the, holy, I was, and the Holy Ghost.
0: I was like, wait a minute, now yes. what's that? He is he is
1: the Holy Trinity. <laughs> he, capital H. No, I I can, I can see that. Okay. Yeah. I,
0: I mean, but because even like last episode, I did a game with Dustin, and we were talking about his relationship with his parent, which was his mother, who was an absolute controlling psycho like she was a nut herself and then his father was incredibly weak so he had like a weak father who was also a belligerent drunk who would try to like you know find his power through beating his wife but she at the end of the day had way more power than he did like she was just she was just better suited for the job but the bigger issue was that Ed game was a boy which is what led to him you know, killing all, or possibly killing all these women or stealing all these bodies and like taking their skin and turning them into clothes that he can wear around the house, acting like he's his mother. You know what I
1: mean? That's like psycho.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, literally, yeah, I mean the genesis of, you know, I mean, obviously cause the movie is based off Ed game. Right, right. Texas Chainsaw Massacre was another movie that they, you know, they kind of adapted from. Ed game. But Thinking about it, I was like, "It starts with the parenting. The parenting sucks. Like lack of. Yeah, I mean, like even though both of his parents were there, they were still bad Awf, at there's it. They're awful. Yeah, exactly. Awful now, in 1957, David's grandmother dies, and Peggy and David were split up and left the school mid-semester without graduating. They moved to Albuquerque to live with Nettie, and then Peggy, Nettie, who is his mother. And then Peggy stayed in Mountain Air with a local family so she could graduate, which sometimes happened with girls. You know, like people feel a little more comfortable about letting a girl come live with them than a, you know, sadomasochistic boy, right? (laughs) a freaky boy. Um, Now, David would eventually graduate from Valley High in Albuquerque in 1957, but he left home and he got a job as a mechanic. He was like, you know what? I'm good at this. I'm going to do it. He found a seventeen-year-old girlfriend, though, whom he married. She, and this was in 1959. She got pregnant, so he's twenty. Excuse me, mm-hmm. Belch. She's she. He's seventeen. She's twenty. She got pregnant. Then he left to join the army, and he went overseas. But he was in the army for three years, where he honed his skills as a mechanic and would repair anything. Now, we talking from watches to literal airplane engines. Like the dude oh, wow. was just good. Now, by the time he's 21, he returned to the US to file for divorce. His wife. He was
1: gone. So he was gone most of his marriage and decided. <laughs> and he was like, I'm done. A divorce. You're
0: boring. His wife didn't challenge him. She says, You're never around. <laughs> well, it was hello. like, No, you're never <laughs> you're around. You're never around. Um, now, you know, I mean, and which sucks too, because she had also just got pregnant. Oh my gosh. Now, he was in the army for three years, you know, uh, he would eventually leave. Uh, and well so he comes back home he files for a divorce his wife didn't even challenge this or the application be- for custody of their son because she didn't even really seem like she wanted to be involved anyway mm-hmm. he had a son named David Al- Elvin who was nine months old and being cared for by the Department of Public Welfare so David was awarded custo- custody but soon left again on an army assignment in Texas so his mother Nettie who didn't even raise him, agreed to take the grant The son. Yeah. Now David then met a young girl and proposed to her. That was in 1962. Which I'm like, we need to have rules on how many times people can get married in like a certain time period. Like, how dude, just don't get married. Don't get married if you just like dating, because that's what it sounds like. Yeah.
1: It's like we're gonna date for three months. We're gonna we're gonna get married for three months, quote unquote, date. Yeah, and I guess and we. Gonna date I mean, else, quote, we unquote,
0: get, unquote. we also got to think it is the 60s. Now, they were married for three months <laughs> before they filed for divorce. <laughs> David would eventually be discharged in 1963, and he returned to New Mexico, where he landed a job at Springer Corp as a truck driver. By 1966, he met Glenda Burdeen. She was 18. He was now 26. He married her. Wow. Glenda had a daughter with David, and her name was also Glenda, but her name was Glenda Jean Ray. Okay, little country. Now, Glenda Jean. And, I
1: know Glenda was so
0: popular. I, seriously, I thought that Is was that just why the they witch used of the it north. In the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now, Glenda Jean, the daughter, and David had a wonderful relationship. But of course, David would go off and decide he wanted to be a hippie and abandon his family
1: this dude
0: <laughs> he's right. so annoying kind of acting like a disheveled loser and hitchhiking with some chick named sally now sally would eventually disappear and you know Ray says she just decided to go that's it that's all we got on sally sally gone
1: He could have been her first victim.
0: Exactly. Now, eventually he was offered a job and a place to stay in Albuquerque in the Tejeras Canyon. And David was incredibly charismatic and well-liked in the area. I mean, he was a drifter. He would move on and then head back to Albuquerque, then move back and all that other stuff. Then finally he moved back to Albuquerque again with his wife and children this time, not as a drifter with his actual family. And once home, David got a job as a car repairman and enrolled in a course to become an airplane mechanic. He stayed with the jobs. Mm-hmm. Now, he passed his test in 1969, and he moved his family to Tulsa, Oklahoma, where he taught at the Spartan School of Aeronautics. This
1: dude is just smart. I mean, he's an engineer, for yeah, God's sake. Yeah, he's say. a I freaking mean, he's an engineer. he's aeronautic engineer, that's what they do.
0: He taught engine mechanics and aviation maintenance. Now, he was living his family life, but he was secretly practicing s and with prostitutes. Oh, gotcha. He would later say his appetites would dominate his life in his 30s. He was becoming more and more into violent sex. His masturbation fantasies were starting to involve murder to the point where he would ejaculate if he imagined killing a woman. Hmm. <clears throat> now, by 1977, he moved back to New Mexico where he worked repairing tracks for a railroad company. He was always on the move. But then in 1981, his marriage was in shambles. Duh. It's like his third marriage. His family stayed in New Mexico. But then by 1983, he moved to Phoenix, Arizona to become a mechanic again and a service manager where he worked there for eight years. That's probably the longest job he really had.
1: And he's done so much. Now now he works on the railroad.
0: Seriously. He's just never done. Ray would marry again to Joni Lee. And this is when he leased a property at 513 Bass Road. So when you hear Bass Road, this is the property I'm talking about near Elephant Butte. I keep wanting to call it Elephant (laughs) Butte, but it's Butte. Now, on the lot was a double wide trailer where he made his special equipment to sell. He was traveling between Phoenix, Stone Lake, and Elephant, Elephant Butte regularly. And this setup was wonderful for his SM appetites because he could secretly take women, have his bondage sessions, and then he'd be hours from the Mexican border. Then he to just dip off.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. That's nuts.
0: His daughter, Glenda, she would later become a full fledged lesbian um. and she would go by Jesse. Um, She was well aware of her father's sexual proclivities. She thought his behavior was normal, even though later her father's sex life would make her a bit confused, leading to her lesbian lifestyle. Because, yeah, they were busy. Now Jesse was her dad. They were basically the same person. They did all the same things. She loved nature, she loved mechanics. He taught her mechanics stuff. And by 19, Jesse had witnessed her father hiring a prostitute for a bondage session, and then when the session got too violent, she also witnessed her running out of the house.
1: So Oh, the lady escaped and got like, Yeah,
0: so she's already kind of like got to in there a little bit. Oh. In 1986, Jesse would lodge a complaint against her father, but she did it out of spite, which led to credibility issues, even though she accused him of kidnapping women and torturing them before transporting them across state lines to the Mexican border to sell as sex slaves. She literally tells them this. Oh the FBI gosh. questioned him for a year after she reports this, and he told them, quote, that he has been interested in bondage since the age of 13 and that from the age of 28 to present, he had been extremely active and interested in bondage activity. And then for weeks, this sex thing dominates his life's life and will fan- and He'll sometimes fantasize about everything imaginable, including killing women in order to ejaculate. He eventually tells the agents I would consider myself potentially dangerous. Oh, so he admitted it. The FBI dropped the investigation.
1: You're talking to the FBI. <clears throat> Excuse me. You're talking to the FBI and you say, I may be a potential, de- maybe a potential threat. And they're like, okay, it's cool. You you go. You Bye. Go. You go ahead and wander the So streets. dumb. In
0: 1988, David Ray's boss, Billy Ray Bowers, disappears. He had been Telling his family, this is what Billy Ray has been telling his family, that he feared for his life the week prior. He fear, feared reprisals from his partners because he was planning on selling half his business. Because David worked for this guy, but there was another partner. Mm-hmm. Now, his family called an investigation and when a year later a, va- a vacationer saw a body floating in Elephant Butte Lake. He was shot execution style. The body was tied with ropes and weighed down with two boat anchors. Now, at this time, he's a John Doe. It wasn't until 10 years later he would finally be identified as David um he would finally be finally be identify- identified as Billy Ray Bowers with david ray as the prime suspect (laughs) wow now david david started to escalate but then when you think about it it's like like
1: that's like his first killing
0: possibly possibly because that was
1: his boss and he hated him that we know of and it's a man
0: well and that's the thing too it could have just been a hit because even when you read about it in a book which by the way i'm sorry i did read a book i read cries in the desert um that was a book i read that all Day Saturday. <laughs> that was that was the book I read. Uh the thing about the when you read about the situation with the boss, it seemed like they wanted Billy Ray. The partner also wanted Billy Ray dead. Oh. So I don't know if David had just enlisted himself to do it. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, if you want him off, I can take care of it. You know and what I'm get, saying? a good
1: light with the guy, the other partner. Exactly now
0: david um, es- exactly
1: I mean, if, he, if he's okay with killing and he fantasizes about it, i guess you would kind of offer to do that i mean yeah and and
0: two i hate to say this but he's also an army guy <laughs> you know like Tough. they get used to killing that's the thing now obviously david started to escalate he's cocky now i mean he keeps getting away with this shit so wouldn't you he started to build his own torture chamber Uh, It would rival the instruments imagined by Marquis de Sade, which if you don't know Marquis de Sade, all I'm going to say is this. Refresh us. Yeah. So Marquis (laughs) de (laughs) Sade.
1: That was a long buzz.
0: (laughs) The only reason the word sadist comes from marquis de sod's last name which is Sade, and he was i think he was a libertarian or something and also, he was a, sodomy
1: also a, no. a, sodom and gomorrah sodom that's yeah sodom.
0: that's yeah but he was a freaky pervert he wrote a lot of SM literature you know like about bondage about different things that you could do to people and you know at first i was like i, I don't want to mention this but i'm gonna Marquis de one of the reasons why I know a little bit about him is because I watched Solo, 120 Days of Sodom, which is a part of Criterion Collection, but it's a film from the 19, I think it's the 1970s. Um, It was banned because the movie, I think it's like 18 kids, nine girls, nine boys, from an Italian village are kidnapped from not by like by Nazis. Now, this is pres- this is more of a recent um, like a reimagining of Marquis de Sade's original story. Um cuz Marquis de Sade is like he wouldn't even know what a Nazi is. That's way, way past way, way, his way. time. Yeah. And they kidnap these ni- 18 kids and they take them to like the chateau. And these generals just do absolutely everything to them. Like, and when I say everything to them, I mean, they rape them for 120 days. And then first of all, they get there,
1: both stri- the boys and the girls. boys
0: and girls, they strip them. Um, you're never going to watch this. So I'll just tell you what happens. They strip them. Uh, and they would have these like moments of theatrics where They'd bring them all into this ballroom, and these prostitutes would perform like these weird plays where they start to explain all these different acts that they were going to force these children, these children to do. The assumption is that they're underage, right? Right. Okay. So then they force these kids to do this, all this crazy shit. And one of the things that I will never forget is when one of the generals comfortably squats, takes a shit, and the kid. Is literally given a spoon to eat it. And I was like, oh, cut the camera, (laughs) cut it off, cut. Well, and I'm gonna tell you, I didn't know what I was watching. So at the time, this was like in 2010, 2011, me and Ashley were like renting everything on. Crazy. Netflix. Oh, Netflix. Just, Netflix. Just, 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 just this was DVD days. Oh, so, yeah. everything on Netflix. So, we will rent a lot of Criteria Collection. And Martin yeah. Scorsese, Alec Baldwin, all of these people were rallying for this movie because they felt like it was a part of freedom of speech, artist, artistic expression, because the film mm-hmm. had been banned. Right. Criterion Collection had basically remastered it and done all this other stuff with it. And, you know, basically they used the film as educational purposes. Marquis de Sade is, you know, a well-known writer. Um, Can't remember the century, the 18th century maybe? Um, And so, you know, to them, they're like, it's just freedom of expression. It's not a big deal. We all know it's fake. But the problem is, is that the Italian government didn't know that it was fake.
1: (laughs) Oh, they thought this was really happening to children. They were
0: thinking that some of the cast members were underage mm-hmm. um and so then you know and the same thing what happened with cannibal holocaust where it, it, that 70s exploitation film it was kind of hard to tell what was real and what wasn't right. so anyway 120 days of sodom they go through the whole process of being brutally raped i mean and they also have stockholm syndrome some of the girls and some of the boys are falling in love with their captors okay. <clears throat> they're being told that they are going to be let go like yeah. that's what they tell them, then by the time you get to the end of the film, they let them out into this courtyard outside, and in that courtyard are all of these different devices that they are going to kill these people with oh. one of them they took a a like a thing, pulled his tongue out, cut the tongue off they were just they, it was just it was just like it was just like everything. like every, It was like Murphy's Law. Anything that can happen will happen. Popped out eyeballs. Cut off genitalia. Oh it was just like gosh. the whole, it was like the whole kit and caboodle. And I'm going to tell you too, because I've seen a lot of disturbing films, that one is one that I've literally, uh, along with Cannibal Holocaust, those are the two films that I've seen and I've only needed to see once. That was like, okay, check that off. That's done. That's done. I Rich. don't need to watch that again because it is so we were literally sitting there the whole time and we were like wait what wait what you know how you're watching a movie you're like what's happening what's because ha-? we didn't even know what to expect from the movie we didn't know what the movie was about right so, so it this was a surprise was, this was things all a happening. surprise like things were happening in real time and I, I remember me and ashley were like in her mom's basement and i said ashley what is this
1: <laughs> you yelled out what are we watching i was like, "What is
0: this?" I started to get scared because I thought maybe like somebody accidentally gave us like a snuff.
1: Oh, snuff films. I was just about to say that. Like, you know, like some of that oh, shit. that She farted. Some of that shit. Was, yeah. Oh, would on camera, yeah.
0: So. And so I thought that it was accidentally a snuff. I was like, are we sure this is from Netflix? Are we positive that this is, this is from Netflix? Because I'm, yeah. I'm scared. Yeah. But at the same time, I could not look away. I mean, it's we, like a train wreck. it was like we paused and then we played. Okay. We paused,
1: you go, took like, a break. Second by second. Okay.
0: Because you just you just don't know what was next. So then we got to the end of the movie and you think that you're you're going to get that breath of fresh air. You get to the end of the movie and you're like, <gasps> wait, they are going to kill them? All of them? Killed every last one of them. I was just like- Just when you thought
1: they were going to be let go. Like, why you know, is, why why is this on the criteria
0: Collection? <laughs> so anyway, so the original story by Marquis de Sade is called 120 Days of Sodom. Salo is the town- and gotcha. then they put Salo, colon, 120 Days of Sodom. So it's based on that. And the original Marquis de Sade story, which I tried to read and I was like, God help me, I can't, was, you know, they, it's very theatrical with the prostitutes and the makeup and, the you know what I mean? And all that yeah. other stuff in their performance of like, I don't know if they were trying to use that to kind of like make the kids feel comfortable. I mean, it was just a part of a psychological thing. You know, right. S&M is very psychological. Right. And and you know obviously when you're trying to get people to submit and do what they don't want to do you have to get
1: into their heads. Right, it's and so it's just, just smoke and mirrors trickery. Yeah, yeah. It's,
0: none of it is you know none of, promises. At the end of it, false promises because at the end of the day, you telling these kids they're gonna get out, they're not gonna get out. So mm-hmm. yeah, that was rough. Okay, so now you know what that's about. You don't have to go watch it. <laughs> right. Uh. So yeah, Marquita Side is a freak. He was a freak, and I think he had like all of the STDs too because he was one of those people. Like he had the syphilis. <laughs> I think <laughs> he, syphilis. I think he died of syphilis. Actually, he had all the diseases because he was he was a, he was into all of that sexual stuff. He right. was into sexual freedom. That was the you know that was kind of the whole point. Is right. that we we should be able to do this? And you know the French they they get down with a get down. <laughs> they believe in exploring their bodies and and doing all that type of I stuff. Mean, it's, and, it's
1: expected to be married and and have a lover. So yeah,
0: exactly. Ooh,
1: is it? It is. I, I didn't very know that cultural. was a part of
0: of their culture. Oh yeah, kind of makes me like them a little bit more.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know if I can do that though.
1: It's it's understood though. Most most I mean I can, most marriages I come with a side a, piece. What do you call it? Francophile? Like yeah. You but i've heard that some people when they're in marriages they just kind of expect that their their partners gonna have partners a girlfriend have a, a boyfriend. it's kind of like just don't tell them about it
0: oh so it's it's like it's expected but i don't need yeah. to know the gory details mm-hmm.
1: and it's almost like you know this present day open relationship bullshit that everyone talks about but yeah it's their own french way
0: yeah huh mm-hmm. interesting interesting look into I it. Mean, I- Think it's you said look it up, look into it. Look into I think it's cool as like I said, is lo- I mean, I don't think I would want to know the gory details either. But I do believe that like if there's a little bit of like I feel like there is some security in knowing that you know. You may not yeah. know that okay, you went to the bar last night and you were with that person. Like no. I don't need to know that part. No. But I mean, it's better than not knowing.
1: Right, I just think it's the openness.
0: Yeah, I think I, I it's the to me it's the truthfulness of it all of being able to just comfortably say.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna lie about it, you're lying.
0: Yeah, you're flat out lying.
1: But if you like, be like, I have a date with Salome tonight. You know, like it'd be like, okay, cool. So you're not gonna be home for dinner. Yeah, okay, gotcha, gotcha,
0: cool. All right, it's you go, not like,
1: oh, were you at the bar last night?
0: Oh, right, exactly. It's like, oh yeah, I'm going out with Frank. Be like, and and homie's just like, oh okay, all right, we'll see you later.
1: <laughs> still not said hi be like what <laughs> no
0: okay so anyway okay we got happy hour so now he uh <laughs> he looked at himself as a sexual scientist he was skilled in the art of pain that was his thing he would write down how to physically and psychologically gain control of his victims and he would video record and catalog his crimes and keep like souvenirs of each victim now, he, uh, over the next few years, would create a business making S&M bondage videos all over the world. And selling? Him? Selling them, Okay. It was reported later that the business also included snuff, which See. showed women actually being murdered.
1: Yeah, you're murdered on film. Yes. Well, I mean, if he was already, you know, selling people in Mexico for, I mean, he's going to sell the tapes. Yeah. He's,
0: and I, I hate to deviate from this, but there is a true crime story of a girl who, like, uh, signed up to be murdered.
1: I've heard of. I've yeah. Heard of
0: that and, you know, whether or not that's truly a crime or not, when someone is, like, explicitly, ser- you know what I mean? Saying, I want to do this and I want to do it until I die. You know, it's right. kind of, it's wild. But, I mean, there are some freaky people who wh- they feel like the ultimate experience is death. And so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they are okay with sacrificing themselves in that way to have that experience. It's insane because my thing is, is you don't come out on the other end of it. So how do you know how satisfied you'll truly be? I
1: know. You're like, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Stop. (laughs) You're like, wait a minute. There's no coming
0: back. I like being on the edge. Not necessarily. (laughs) Not, you know. Um, So in his double Y trailer, he used this as a museum of torture. He called this the toy box. Oh, gotcha. Here we go. Now in it was a sign, Satan's Den. Mm. He sketched out his fantasies and he soundproofed his trailer from top to bottom. He added a deadbolt lock for security. There were pulleys, gurneys, weights, clamps, pliers, scalpels, chains, and padlocks. On one side of the toy box was a seven-foot coffin with hooks on either end and vent holes. And he labeled different equipment like vaginal stretcher, ankle spreader. Knee spreader. Oh, quote on the walls were photographs and drawings of women being tortured, and a glass cabinet con- cabinet containing a diorama of naked toy figures engaged in bondage activities. Other medical cabinets lined with wall with lined the walls, containing syringes, chemicals, different sized dildos, electrical cattle prods, and other devices to inflict pain. But his piece de resistance was a remote control gynecological chair, complete with stirrups. It was designed to slide freely back and forth on a six-foot track, so it could be positioned under captives, suspending in mid-air.
1: Jeez, he thought of everything. It
0: also had electrodes at the head and midsection, so the female victims could be given electric shocks, and there were even a TV monitor, so they could watch themselves being tortured.
1: So they would get... I mean, I'm just saying, Like, it sounds like you walk in, and you're like... I'd like number five. Yeah, like... you'd be like, okay, let's do it. And then you get to watch yourself. Yeah, it. it's
0: like going to a barbershop and be like, I want the number five of Caesar.
1: <laughs> right? Right.
0: <laughs> the bowl cut. Now, his plan was to mostly abduct prostitutes and drug addicts because they would likely never be reported missing. And after blindfolding them, he would take them to his home where they would listen to his initiation tape. No. <laughs> it always started with Hello, bitch. Damn. Now you know the hello, bitch thing, <laughs> which isn't funny. I don't. I'm uncomfortable. Whatever. But it's kind of funny. I actually have a. a, hello, a I actually have it. I have the recording. A piece of it. Um. That's... He would play it in a very em- non-emotional tone. I doubt
1: it. Wrists and ankles chained, gagged probably blindfolded you are disoriented and scared too i would imagine perfectly normal under the circumstances now you're obviously here against your will totally helpless don't know where you're at don't know what's going to happen to you you're very scared or very pissed off I'm sure that you've already tried to get your wrists and ankles loose. No, you can't. Now you're just waiting to see what's going to happen next. You probably think you're going to be...
0: He literally would go on and he he would say things like, Hello there, bitch. Are you comfortable right now? I doubt it. And then he would be like, You won't remember a fucking thing about this whole adventure. You won't remember this place, us or what has happened to you. Like he's just there won't be any DNA evidence because you'll be bathed and both holes between your legs will be thoroughly flushed out.
1: Jeez we
0: sadistic piece of Turd. Now, over the next few years, Ray was bouncing between Elephant Butte or, and Truth of Consequence, New Mexico. Now, you're probably like, what the fuck is Truth of the Consequence? Well, T or C is what the natives called it. It was named this after a television uh, publicity stunt in 1950. The host of Truth or Consequence, the game, was Ralph Edwards, and he was celebrating the 10th anniversary of the show. So they decided to find a town that would be willing to permanently change their name and then host a live gala there. Paloma's Hot Springs became Truth or Consequence
1: that's so wild it is wild
0: it's pretty ridiculous now david launched his own emergency roadside business called dave's auto repairs which was probably a great way to pick up poor unsuspecting motorists looking for help for the toy box but toc was also ripe with drug addicts and derelicts, so this worked out for David. He began throwing these wild sex parties, which were a pretty well-known secret in town. You could join the parties and engage in these S&M sex parties, as well as any lesbian play, which was recorded and apparently sold. To me, I don't think it matters as long as everybody consents. (laughs) Like... If they want to get down, that's up to them. Right. Now, the toy box, on the other hand, was personal. He didn't offer that to the park party goers. By 1994, David was ending his fourth marriage, quit the automotive service. His job as a mechanic, to, uh, he, he quit that job to, to join the New Mexico State Parks and Recreation Division. And he was there to be a vehicle mechanic at Elephant Butte Park. Now, he was a great employee. He was super reliable. He would wear his badge with pride. Unfortunately, he would also wear a sheriff's badge with pride as well, considering he would sometimes pretend to be officer. And I don't think I need to tell you why he would do that.
1: Jeez, he was just. And he's an actor. (laughs) And that's his. Add that to the old resume. There's Ben.
0: Now, this is his mid 50s. This old fart was doing all No you didn't. (laughs) This whole farm was doing all this wild shit. Even though he had an irregular heartbeat and angina. But that didn't slow him down. He would get so close to his daughter, Jesse, that he would act like he wasn't feeling well and she would leave and he would come back to Elephant Butte. And there were even rumors at some point that his daughter had a daughter with him. Oh She would later go on to say, yes, I've heard the rumors. And no, my father is not her father. Mm. She had her. She claimed she had a baby with her friend. But Jesse was a freaky pervert herself. So one time Jesse got into um, a bar fight with this woman and the woman disappeared. Never to be seen again. David yet again was the prime suspect eventually jesse would move into his trailer with him and she was like this biker chick lesbian she played pool drank beer she wore a leather jacket she had the whole uniform wild ones easy rider raging boom (laughs) (laughs) now it was david's thing to always have a female accomplice and he was always entertaining women and so when this would happen jesse would usually leave now jesse would develop her own little group of friends and one friend brought in was this woman by the name of kelly She was brought into the group, Kelly Garrett. She was in her mid-20s. She was new to Truth or Consequence. She had a pretty shitty childhood. She would eventually be introduced to a young Marine by the name of Patrick Murphy. Now, this story is messed up. Patrick really liked Carrie. He said, quote, The first time we met, there was an understanding. It was never said, but there was an understanding. I don't know what that means, but okay. Uh, Hmm. It's like, y'all, was it a connection? Was it chemistry? What are you saying? Now she became his girlfriend and he eventually, and eventually they would pretend to get engaged. And the only reason why they pretended to get engaged was because at the same time, Jesse's friend Cassandra was trying to get with Patrick patrick didn't want to be with Cassandra, so he was like yo let's fake getting engaged you can leave us fuck alone but what really ended up happening is she actually ended up getting proposed to he proposed to her for real oh okay and she accepted she was like it just kind of happened so um she was like i still don't really understand why (laughs) so of course patrick's mother was suspicious because she was thinking kelly really only wanted him for his military check Cause you know Mm -hmm. military people get paid. Now, unfortunately, Kelly uh, Kelly's relationship took a turn for the worse because she found sex painful, and some women do. Some women find sex painful. I mean, to me, it's like could be got a little tilt, could be the The old pelvic little dry. Little dry, little a couple of things, you know. Sometimes you certain positions are only positions that work, and she was kind of like one of those people who was just like not that into sex. It kind of reminds me of that story of Dorothy Dandridge because Dorothy Dandridge was molested, and so because of that, she kind of got rigid when it was time to have sex. Mm, gotcha. Um, she had a reaction. Yeah, it. she had a reaction to the whole experience, and so she would clench up, and it would make sex painful. So that started to t- kind of turn into a problem for Patrick because he was like. Eh, okay i thought we i thought we were married
1: needs it guts to have yeah
0: so they would argue um and of course cassandra's ass she swooped right on in she's like my coochie work wow and she would like braid kelly's hair act like she was her friend but she really wanted patrick so Mm -hmm. they tried to have sex kelly didn't want to they got into an argument and then kelly went over to her friend becky's trailer. Then they went to Cassandra's where Kelly told her, leave Patrick alone. Leave him alone. We beefing right now, but leave him alone. I mean, it was just like a well-known thing. Everybody knew that Cassandra wanted Patrick. So they decided to have a couple of drinks at Rocky's lounge at around 11 PM. They moved on to blue water saloon in elephant butte. And of course a fight broke out and Cassandra ended up leaving. So she was there and left Kelly without a ride to T or C truth of consequence Mm -hmm. now Jesse was with them though at this point and said don't worry I'll take her back well when it was time to leave Jesse said I'm way too drunk and instead I'm gonna take you to my dad's house so we can sober up but Kelly felt pretty lightheaded; she couldn't quite figure out why and she wondered if she had been drugged Mm -hmm. so Kelly arrived at the trailer
1: The old row hip
0: Uh, Jesse disappeared. And the next thing she remembered, David and Jesse were sitting on either side of her. One held a knife to my throat and the other kneeled on the floor in front of me and handcuffed me. They placed a spike dog collar around her neck, duct tape her mouth and covered her eyes. Then David led the helpless girl out of the main residence and into a white cargo trailer about 30 feet away. At that point, Kelly was so terrified, she lost consciousness. And once inside the toy box, David began preparing her for her ordeal. Working quickly and efficiently, he stripped her naked, placing her on a narrow gynecological table complete with stirrups. And as she lay unconscious, she he bound her thighs and ankles with nylon straps, attached her to heavy chains, secured her to an elaborate overhead pulley system of his own design. Then using his brute strength, ratcheted up the trains until Kelly was suspended in midair. Before lowering her onto the table with her legs wide apart, finally, he put a videotape in the VCR in front of the toy box, which was linked to an overhead camera Mm. with a wide-angle lens, aimed straight at her body. Pressing the record button, he took smelling salts. Woke her up. And woke her up. Kelly was back to to consciousness. Now, David wasn't able to hold an erection, so he grabbed a dildo. But he couldn't insert it. He kept trying. He tried a few, but none would go inside. He got frustrated. He started to talk to her, started to caress her breasts because of course, yeah, she's going to get horny. Yeah. How you doing? What's going on? No, oh mother fucker. You her? can't sweet talk a victim. Shit. She's not going to be like, ooh, okay. She ain't going to sign up for it automatically. Yeah. You kidnapped her. You drugged her. He then told her he belonged to a satanic group. They have been watching her for a while. And the group wants her as a sex toy and will be upset if the dildo didn't fit. After 30 attempts, he gave up. He left her there for the rest of the night. And for the next three days, he returned to the toy box at least five more times to try to insert the dildos. He was frustrated as hell. He could not get these dildos inserted. Meanwhile, Patrick goes off because, of course, she's engaged. Mm -hmm. Patrick goes looking for Kelly. He can't find her, so he assumes she ran off. Cassandra called Patrick and told him she has sad news about Kelly. She She was out all night drinking. Things didn't look good. She advised him that, you know, he should consider getting the marriage annulled. Mm -mm. He searched a little bit and then he called it off. No signs of Kelly. He was leaving in four days. And if he didn't find Kelly by Sunday, which was the next day, he was having the marriage annulled. Cassandra stayed over to commiserate. She stayed the night. And eventually the family's feeling for Kelly went south. They were like, what? Yeah. David, he took her ring, he took her jewelry, and he took her watch as souvenirs. He then proceeded to dress, drink his coffee, and he drove her to, Mur- to the Murphys, to her in-laws, to her hus- her fiance. In truth or consequence, and when she arrived at Patrick's, Patrick was pissed. She was dazed and drugged. They asked her where she was, and she said she just remembers waking up with Mister Ray, and there's nothing in between. So. David introduced himself as Jesse's dad, saying that he found Kelly in the sand by the beach. He rescued her in his official park ranger uniform, Dude, even though she was crying, confused and in pain. Patrick didn't believe her and told Kelly, you got to go.
1: Got to go. Can't stay here.
0: Kelly accepted David's ride to Elephant Butte so her best friend could look after her because she had nowhere else to go. This was her fiance. She ain't got nowhere else to go. She had no idea what happened to her. Her marriage wasn't old. They were only married for 16 days. Damn. Two days later, Patrick marries Chris Cassandra in Mm-mm. Vegas. She ready. They moved to San Diego. The marriage didn't last. He was shipped off to the Persian Gulf nine weeks later. And before leaving, he told her that he wanted a divorce. Shoot. When he returned six months later, Cassandra has seized all his assets.
1: <laughs>
0: he was in financial ruin. ruin. Now, five years later, Kelly would finally piece this whole night together. Um, but it's pretty obvious. Jesse handed Kelly over to her father and probably because of Cassandra's affections for Patrick. Mm-hmm. She knew her friend. Her friend was actually Cassandra. Her friend wasn't Kelly. So right. Kelly was new. Now, then there was the Silver Marie Parker story. Now, Marie had a pretty hard life. She had been dating a local guy by the name of Roy Yancey. Roy also had his fair share of issues. He was named Toy Boy Roy. That was his name. He had joined a secret satanic group in the 1980s and he would desecrate graveyards graffiti pentagrams all over the place i mean he was just engaged in all types of stuff seances black magic rituals the whole kid and caboodle and there was also burglaries (laughs) that he engaged in where he would like break into people's houses and steal their weapons well Mm -hmm. the police were concerned about the weapons they were like yo what's up with all these weapons so they decided it's time to investigate and it was alleged that this group was led by david
1: so that was his satanic group Seems like it.
0: Who at the time fit the description? Because people were saying, the cult victims were saying, there's this old man that runs it named David. Well, mm-hmm. that's a right. giveaway. Now, Roy would be arrested for burglary when he left a homeowner's dog's penis on yeah. his keyboard yeah. at, the home on, at the homeowner. Like, could you imagine?
1: That's so gross.
0: Now, even though he straightened up for a period and joined the Navy, he still found <laughs> He still found himself in trouble because he was doing a lot of LSD, heroin, and mushrooms, which, Damn. duh. Now, while in T- TRC, he would meet Jesse, who introduced him to David Ray. They were very close. Ray started frequenting David's parties and was a willing participant. He had apparently told a friend that he himself was tied down and uh, raped with a broom handle. By the David guy?
1: Yeah. Damn, so he really didn't discriminate. He didn't care. A hole is a hole is a A hole. Well, that's also power. Yeah. You know, like all that power shit. Now,
0: there was a story where Jesse and Roy became friends with this gay man from Florida named Kenneth Lane, who was also possibly into the drugs and parties. But later, neighbors would tell the police that they could smell a foul odor in Lane's apartment. And when the police broke down the door they found Lane decomposing in his front room. His death was ruled metallic poisoning when they did the autopsy. They found nuts and bolts in his stomach and a doorknob in his rectum.
1: Oh crap.
0: Explain yourself. How do you do that? Mind you, this was before the neighbors had caught Roy Na- Yancy leaving Lane's apartment smiling. And Yancey was a prime suspect, but no charges were filed. Yeah. Now, back to Marie. When Marie met Yancey, it was at a lounge. They got along. They both liked alcohol. They both liked drugs. But Marie would soon find herself homeless. So she lived in an army tent. It was owned by her good friend, Jesse.
1: Oh, here's Jesse.
0: On Elephant Butte Lake. So on the lake, Jesse was having this big Fourth of July party, which was to start Thursday and end Sunday. And Marie was chilling in her tent when her friend came and ordered and offered her some crank because she was a drug. addict. Damn,
1: the old CR.
0: (laughs) She told she took some and eventually she rolled over and she went to sleep. Quote, Marie was in the middle of a dream when she felt a finger start penetrating her vagina. Hours later, she would file a police report complaining uh, describing how she woke up to find this guy named Arthur pulling her bikini bottoms with one hand and indecently fondling her with the other. He had my shirt pulled up and he was sucking on my tit and his finger was in me. My underwear was like pulled down on one side. I just kind of moved away and said, what the fuck are you? What the fuck do you think you're doing? Get the fuck out out of my tent. I don't think he put his dick in me. That's this was her statement. Okay, this is a
1: quote. Right.
0: <laughs> she tried to get quote unquote. Yes. She tried to get the attention of Jesse and the partyers on the sailboat, but nobody was paying attention. So they be for a bit and he said, You're a fucking little bitch, and thanks for the squeeze and left. Thanks for nothing. <laughs> Thanks for the squeeze. Like, what?
1: Thanks for the squeeze.
0: (laughs) What a douche. What What an absolute douche. Damn. Now, when Jesse was asked about the assault, she explained Marie had moved into her tent the day before and appeared messed up. Although she had not personally seen her take any drugs, she had seen Arthur when he arrived at her campsite. And although he was kind of flaky, she didn't think he would molest Parker. Jesse added that she thought Marie was getting friendly with Johnson. Now, during this party. David had got really upset with Jesse because they left a mess on the beach. So Marie was left alone in the tent while Jesse and Yancey tried to cool her down. Meanwhile, Marie was planning on killing herself. She was sending calls to her mama, telling her mother and everything. Saturday afternoon, Marie went to blue water saloon to get some drugs. And later, Jesse would tell this story, quote, Jesse went into Blue Waters to find Marie. A few minutes later, both women came out of the saloon and got into the truck. Then Jesse took the wheel and drove along I-25, turning off exit 79 to Vista Memory Gardens Cemetery, where she told Marie they would meet a drug dealer. Yancey believed they had arranged the score earlier, and Yancey would allege that Jesse Ray then got out of the Ram Charger, took out a handgun, brandishing it at a petrified Marie Parker. She then handcuffed Marie, who was now screaming, shut up or I'll kill you. Jesse ordered, placing her victim in restraints in the back of her father's truck and ordering Yancey to ensure that she didn't escape. Escape Yancey sat in the back, physically subduing his ex lover as Jesse drove back Along it's 125. I'm sorry. I ain't got my glasses on. To 513 Bass Road. It was dark as they drew up in front of Dark Park uh David Parker Ray's double wide trailer. And Yancey alange alleged that he then she he then saw Jesse take Marie into the toy box, locking it behind them. He went into the residence where his father was where where his father was watching television. And later, Yancey would admit knowing that David Parker Ray's toy box was a sadomasochistic bondage chamber. So all of them know what the score is. Right. They just don't care. Marie's. Uh, OK, so this is this is kind of where it, it, it's been gnarly this whole time. I don't even know why I would preface this by saying this is where it gets gnarly. So. Yancey would ne- would would deny ever entering the toy box himself while Marie was inside. But on Tuesday, July eight, three days after Marie had been kidnapped, Davy David and Jesse told Yancey that they were done playing with her. And mm. it was time for her to go. At around midnight, Yancey entered the toy box with the Rays and saw Marie Parker bound to a cot, naked, blindfolded and gagged. According to his later confession, Jesse Ray handed him a piece of rope saying, you know what you have to do. Then, while she was still bound to the cot, Yancey put the rope around her neck, began to choke her. Marie began to struggle as she fought desperately for her life. She wasn't dying fast enough. Yancey would later confess saying that he placed his knee on Marie's chest for extra leverage. Oh. Using all his strength to strangle her until she was limp and turned blue. And it would later be alleged that Jesse Ray held a gun to Yancey's head while he strangled her and that David Parker Ray videotaped the murder and sold it as a snuff film.
1: Damn. Wait, so she she had a gun to the guy's head and made him kill her? Yep. All the while being filmed by the father? Yep. Jeez.
0: Yes, yeah, and what's so wild nice. too is like, <laughs> you know, it's like I get, <sighs> I, I don't see how Yancey thinks that he could just be like. I mean, I was there, but I ain't really go in, and then follow it up by saying, but I did strangle, I did strangle it to death. I mean, I didn't go in, but so Marie's body had started to expel fecal matter. So they wrapped her up in a blanket. They took her body and hurled it over the side of a ravine to bury it. And Yancey claimed he was warned to not tell anyone or he would be killed. Two days later, Marie's mother filed a missing persons report and told the office that she was hooking out of the Aztec hotel. But the police did very little to try to find her. And some of her friends started putting up all of these missing posters. Now, Dawn Allen said that she was suspicious. She was highly suspicious when she heard that Parker was missing. She said, quote, "I called up the state, excuse me, police, and I told them where to look. I knew she was dead and that Jesse was involved." Mm. Now, enter Cindy. Cindy Lee Hindi, she which is a kind of cool <laughs> name, <laughs> sound like a who from Whoville, uh-huh. but it's cute. So Cindy Lee Hindi, she arrived in Elephant Butte because she was on the run for diso- disobeying a court order in Washington State. She was thirty-seven. She was a mother of three with a rap sheet a mile long. She was a drug addict. She was an alcoholic and had a history of sexual abuse. This is a band of misfits. These people are Jeez, jacked. They up. found
1: each other though. They
0: did. Now she dropped out of the eighth grade, and Cindy became a pregnant at 16. Mm. She had two more kids by different dads and she had a very violent history with abusive men. Court papers show that one of her reported three former husbands was a convict who later served jail for jail time for assaulting her. Another ex-boyfriend pushed cocaine in the late 1980s. Cindy was briefly married to Robert Hendy, even though though she had his initials tattooed between her thumb and forefinger. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. It's like, what? It was like shooting stars. I mean, she has shooting stars on her uh, left breast, too. And in 1992, another husband was sentenced to more than two years jail time for choking and threatening to kill her. So she has a she know how to pick them. Most of her boyfriends like to drink and a lot of them like to pick fights, punch her and beat her up. That's what uh, one of her childhood friends said. Now, by the 1990s, Cindy was considered mentally disabled. She started collecting SSI checks, social security checks. By 1995, she was arrested in Kirkland, Washington for stealing aluminum pipes from the Department of Transportation. Now, she was sent to jail. This, she's, a, she's a junkie, okay? She's selling it? Yeah. In 1996, she was dating a guy by the name of John Youngblood, who she was accused of accusing, uh, accusing of assaulting her, and she was kicked on the street kicked out on the street now by 1997 she refused to take drug counseling as she was being faced with serious jail time so she went on the run this is which is how she ended up in elephant butte now once she arrived in trc she started hitting up the local bar scene she was known as a hard party and she would brag about being an ex-con they called her six-pack cindy
1: Mm-mm. she drink a six-pack every, every <laughs> day or what
0: she would go with any guy in a heartbeat if he'd buy her drink or he'd buy her some crank, she'd go with him. Mm. Now she was known for trading sex for money as well, which would, you know, short, short, She's a prostitute. Right. People soon started to realize that Cindy had some weird sexual appetites. Uh, the S and M lesbianism, necro—what do not necro nymphomania oh, type. She had told me this is what she told a friend about her sexual abuse as a child by her family members and what a tough childhood she had by her who family members. Oh, by her family members. Now soon she would meet Jesse and Roy. Duh. They started hanging together and they had weird, strange three-way relationship. Mm-hmm. They were all going together. Quote, Roy. Thruple. Yeah, a little thruple. Quote, Roy told me that Cindy liked him to handcuff her and beat her up. This is what her friend, what Mark T. Lampy, who worked with Yancey Running Fences, becoming close friends with him over the s- that summer. He said, well, what we what he didn't know was that she expected him to be tied up, too. So. She was like, yeah, so your turn. And he was like, nah, that ain't, yeah. <laughs> that ain't what we do here.
1: One way street. Buddy. Yeah.
0: Now, he said he would wake up and find himself just handcuffed. And Cindy just wanted to beat him up. Damn, he had to sleep with one eye open. Look.
1: You might wake up handcuffed. Yeah, you don't you know. never know.
0: Now, Cindy, Cindy would go on to engage in many sex acts with him. Once, she helped torture a prostitute named Angelica Montano. Now, uh, she was originally a part of the bondage sessions though. She was down with it. She was down with being videotaped by Jesse, but then Ray brought out an electric cattle prod and began shocking her her genitals with it, oh, shoot. and Cindy was holding her down. At this point, Roy is kind of feeling himself because he started taking Viagra. Mm. Mhm. So he felt young again and he became more friendly. After this ordeal though, Angie was too scared I called the girl Angie. She ain't my friend. Angelica. Mm -hmm. She was too scared to go to the police, but brought her uncle to confront David. So according to the friend uh, of Jesse, they brought hundreds of girls to Bass Road for these sessions. The old toy box. Yes. One time while entertaining friends on the lake, David started pointing out the deepest parts of the lake because he was telling them how to dispose of a body quote opening up the chest of the corpse and then filling it with rocks as ballast after binding the chest cavity tightly with chicken wire. Is that the, why homie had nuts inside of him? Like I nuts and
1: bolts? Like, you know what I'm saying? Possibly. Okay. Now, but I mean, see, he wasn't in now. the
0: lake though. He was oh. left on the couch. Well, maybe so he, I'm, maybe they I'm they wonder if they around. made him eat yeah. it. I don't know. I don't, yeah. I don't even, I so don't weird. know. I'm just thinking weights. Okay, yeah. Gotcha. But they put, um, they put, Oh, so he would say that the body could like drop and stay at the bottom of the lake if you feel the chest cavity. So Peggy, one of the friends noticed a strange like look in his eye as he joked. And then, she, you know, she was like, he was talking about it like he was just like enjoying a meal. It was crazy. So he begged, uh, he begged me not to walk out alone by the, the lake one time and literally act like he was going to cry because he told me 200 girls a year have something happened to them out there.
1: creepy
0: it could have been his guilty conscience but at the end of the day you know he's a psycho so it could have just been him trying to pretend like he cares when he doesn't now roy started introducing cindy to witchcraft who she was dating um at the time she was dating roy at the time uh but she soon broke up with roy and she got with david and so even though she was also dating Jesse, because remember, they were a thruple.
1: Right, right, right.
0: Uh, she was like, nah, David is a good catch. <laughs> Mostly Damn. because he ain't broke. That's what her biggest thing was. He ain't broke. He ain't a good provider. Quote, still Cindy, working on exa- the old, ex-
1: <laughs> still working on the airplanes.
0: Exactly. So Cindy said that she had finally met the man that she wanted to spend the rest of her life with. The he, of my he was looking after her. He was monitoring her drinking and money. She thought, you know, hey, he's nice. He's just he's a good dude. So Cindy wanted to bring her twelve-year-old daughter to come live with them. Oh. Lord, and uh, the daughter eventually called her grandmother and was like, please let me come home because these people are crazy as hell and they are abusing me. So she she ended up going back with the grandma Mm -hmm. and David. He started to slowly train Cindy to help him kidnap, kidnap and torture women. And this is how he did it. Quote, he wrote a guide. One, yeah, it's called the psychological and physical procedures, the initial handling of the captive personal fetish. Number one, the new female captive should be gagged, blindfolded with wrists and ankles chained. Number two, move her into the recreation room. Place her body under the suspension chains. Three, stand her up under the chains. Lock her wrists well above her head. Four, place the neck chain around her neck and lock it into place. It is permanent. 5. Clip her leg irons to the floor chain. 6. Use scissors to slowly rip her, remove her dress, blouse, or sweater. Cut and remove the bra. 7. Fondle and abuse her breasts, nipples, and other parts of her body. 8. Keep her blindfolded to increase disorientation. Use verbal abuse, dumb bitch, slut, etc. 9. Slowly unzip, open, and remove the lower clothing. Cut or rip the panties off. 10. Fondle and abuse her sex organs. Continue the verbal abuse. 11. Attach the overhead suspension straps to her body, ankles, waist, hips, or and upper chest. 12. Remove the leg irons and tighten the ankle straps. Pull her legs upwards until the middle part of her body is horizontal. The ankle straps will force her legs wide apart. 13. Tighten. And adjust the waist, hip and chest straps until the middle of her body is straight. Clip the short four chain to the body ring on the waist belt so she cannot jerk or lift her body upward. 14. At the point, the captain is suspended at the convenient height, immobilized and fully exposed. She is uncomfortable, disoriented and probably terrified. (sighs) don't cut her any slack continue the verbal and physical abuse keep her mentally off balance 15 play with her sex organs rape her vagina and anus force her force large dildos deep into both holes use clamps needles and other uh others on her tits and sex organs clip and cut lips whip her and use electroshock 16 Don't give her time to collect her thoughts, use her body aggressively during the first hour or two. She will sweat, struggle a lot and exhaust herself, particularly if the electric shock machine is used extensively. Seventeen, intensify her fear. Tell her how she is going to be kept as a sex slave. Describe in detail how she will be continuously raped and tortured and work on her mind as well as her body. Eighteen, keep her body fully suspended for two or three hours, then lower the gynecological bench directly beneath her. Lower her body onto the bench, release one arm or one leg at a time and secure it to the bench until she is strapped down. Buckle all straps on her body until she is totally immobilized. Feet in the stirrup, knees forced wide apart. Note. The shock value of disorientation plus continuous verbal and physical abuse during the first few hours of confinement will have a great influence on how docile and subdued the captive will be during the remaining period of captivity. If it is done properly, she will be intimidated and much easier to handle. So, yeah. So Cindy and David then meet Angelica Montano to take her to the trailer. And at first she thought it was all a practical joke, but then Ray punched her in the face and Cindy put a pistol in her mouth. They stripped her naked, chained her to the bars on either side of the bed. And then they forced her to swallow a pill. She lost consciousness when she woke up, they were watching TV. She was blindfolded. They gave her a second pill before she could even, before going to sleep. And then they kept her for four days. She asked him for a hug. He complied because she was just trying to like, you know. Yeah. So he told her nothing bad was going to happen to her, which I'm like, everything bad has kind of happened. Mm -hmm. And then she overheard them talking about kidnapping a woman's child, 10 years old and keeping her as a love slave.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Now, when David got home that evening, they bathed her like a dog. And then Cindy applied makeup to her face, saying that she had to look her best for the video. This is the child? No, this is the the same girl. They were prepping her for the toy box. Now, suddenly, without warning, Ray hit her in the stomach, forcing her onto the table, her hands and knees. He then carefully bound her hands and feet with red leather ropes and inserted a long wooden device into her rectum. I'm going to (laughs) skip because I'm overwhelmed. But he wanted to do this because he was trying to watch Stephen King's Storm of the Century which was playing on TV so he was like let's let's wrap this up so mm-hmm. I can get back to it and the only reason why he stopped was because he wanted to get back to Stephen King's Storm of the Century so the poor girl uh, pretended like she enjoyed the experience you know and Ray told her that he liked her and that um, if he had known that he was going to like her he wouldn't have even done all of that to her wow so I'm going to arrange to take you back to uh, Albuquerque. Uh, we'll, you know, call, call a friend. Have him come. <laughs> so, of course, she told him that she wouldn't tell us, so She had, you know, he was like, it's fine. I'm going to give you an injection. You won't remember this anyway. And so they drove her to a bus stop and she was spotted by an officer. And she told him the entire story, not knowing that he was a police officer because he was
1: oh, just in his it, like, plain clothing.
0: Yeah. Oh. Now, the, she told the police officer that some old pervert had picked her up, him and his, this woman, and they had her in his trailer like an animal chained up with a dog collar and they sodomized her with a broom handle. This whole thing. Now, Cindy was probably the worst addition to this whole thing. She ended up being uh, kind of a weak link because she would start drinking again and start telling everybody everything that they did. She literally told her friends that David was a serial murderer. He killed hundreds of women. She got drunk on white wine, which, stay away from white wine. <laughs> um, he got drunk. He killed a... It's a a, truth a, serum. It's a true serum. So Cindy said that she knew about six or seven women that were in the lake. Dude. Mm-hmm. She just told. She just told everybody everything. Loose lips. Loose lips, sinks, Sink. bodies.
1: Sink, okay.
0: And then, <laughs> and then she boasted about, like, how he been doing it for 20 years. Like, it's like he's retiring. Like, what the So then before leaving, she told them in a few days, my mom's already at Firehouse. Thank God. (laughs) Then before leaving, she told them in a few days that they were going to uh, get another one to amuse him while he was while, you know, she was out of town because she was going out of town to visit her daughter. Cindy was so we need to get another one so he can have something to do while I'm out of town. Come on. Oh,
1: like just let, we
0: need something to keep him occupied. Exactly. So we, he needs a project now. So on March fifteenth, they get engaged, Cindy and David, because he needed to get married again. And when David had Shoot. David had finally convinced Cindy to propo- postpone her trip to Seattle, and so that's when they found Cynthia V Hill. Now, her pimp had arranged this deal, $30 for oral sex. She was a drug addict. Uh, she was in Albuquerque. When she entered the RV, he uh, pulled out a silver badge and then was saying that she was uh, she was being arrested for solicitation. But then David pulled out handcuffs. And so Cindy came out of nowhere with a stun gun and she was like, you're being recorded. So she, of course, tried to escape. She was like, I know all the police. What What the F? And so they beat her up. And they finally got her cuffed and shackled. They drove off driving forever until they arrived at a gas station where they ordered her to strip naked, threatening her with a stun gun. They put a black leather mask over her face with a uh, her head with a zipper on the mouth with no eyes. And they started driving. And she was like, I had no idea where I was going. So they collared her. They laid her in the bed. And then the recording started. Hello, bitch. Are you comfortable? So. <sighs> the tape was five minutes long, by the way. Cindy pulled a revolver threatening to shoot Cynthia. And Ray picked up the dildos. He stuck one in her rectum. And while he was like trying to do this like rectum thing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, there he took out this like really big dildo that had like all these spikes on it. Ew. It was just a lot, And so then they started using like these electrodes on her nipples and her genitalia. And then they cranked the dial all the way up. Uh So then he took a metal bar, spread out her legs, took a can of gravy from the kitchen, dipped his fingers in it, rubbed it on her private parts and then had the dog lick her. No. I was irritated the entire time I researched this because I didn't know, believe me, believe it or not, I didn't know shit about this dude until I started researching. I was like, That's... fuck, I've gone too far to turn back now. No. Now, the next day, Cindy unchained Uh, Cindy unchained her and led her to the bathroom Bathroom, of course, at gunpoint. He then duct taped her, hog tied her. He did all this fucked up shit and then he hung her from that device the pulley system Mm -hmm. she was horrified now at this point he's recording her they beat her with a cat of nine tails they raped her with this large spiky dildo and then cindy was like egging him on the entire time he attached her to this pulley system that was connected to her breasts so every time they would shock her thighs and move the pulley system would weigh down on her breasts Uh, what What the the fuck? fuck she eventually passed out from the pain the following morning, David left to go have fucking breakfast because that's what you do. And then Cindy was supposed to watch her. But then when Cindy like was like not paying attention, she was like, dropped the keys. She didn't realize how close the keys were to the coffee table. So Cynthia was like struggling. She used her feet to bring the coffee table closer. But at the same time, she was like talking to her like, how long do you all plan on having me? And she was like, a couple months. She was like, the fuck? So Cindy proceeded to like talk to her and like watch her soaps at the same time. Cause they're in a fucking trailer. So she tells Cynthia still got time for the stories period. So she tells Cynthia, you know, look, I'm relatively new to kidnapping and rape and murder. This this woman is fucking slow. She also mentioned how she like abducted Ange- Angelica Montano a few weeks earlier, and then she starts telling him about like how V Hill uh, they were tired of like all of this, and the couple were gonna abduct this ten year old and just have her as a sex slave. It was like, why are you telling this girl all this shit? Oh so gosh. Cynthia used her feet to move the table. She grabbed the key. She unlocked herself, and then she tiptoed to call the police. The Whole time this bitch didn't hear her. At some point this I mean this took a while this was over a period of time mm-hmm. so Cynthia caught her and she tried to hit her with a fucking lamp but Cynthia uh, Cindy I'm sorry tried to hit her with a lamp but then Cynthia grabbed an ice pick and she started hitting C- Cindy and knocked right. her completely unconscious so when Cindy woke up Cynthia was fucking long gone wow, good for her. David left work because he was at work and By the time David was and Cindy was leaving out, the police had set up a roadblock and they surrendered.
1: What? So that was the last victim that yeah. left.
0: Now V. Hill's head was covered in blood and she had numerous cuts and bruises all of her body, lacerations on her back, abrasions on her wrist, small puncture rooms on her breast. The girl had gone through some shit and they had had her for three days. Yeah. David and Cindy were taken to the Sierra County Detention Center and booked on charges of kidnapping, assault, conspiracy, and criminal sexual penetration. And when the police went to the scene, they were amazed by the contents of the t- trailer. One one guy was like I could feel the evil in there Ooh. he was like it was thick he was like I'm done I've seen enough Now, the agents also discovered more than a hundred tapes and hundreds of photographs showing numerous women being tortured. Uh, By the door was a video camera and a player with a blank tape in it. The player was wired to a TV monitor set up directly in front of the gynecological chair. Like, this was a whole system. Top to bottom, the toy box was packed with examples of Ray's demonic ingenuity. From the ceiling hung an elaborate pulley system incorporating clamps, ropes, padlocks, and Tie downs similar to the one that Cynthia V. Hale had been held in. Mm -hmm. So, they interrogated Cindy and David for 16 hours. Cindy was clear-headed. She was very manipulative manipulative. She was trying to control it. And they were like, no, bitch, we already know everything. And it's believed that she is psychopathic and she's void of any conscience. She was also uh she would also blame the victims because, you know, they were prostitutes. She was like, it's their fault. They shouldn't be fucking doing that shit. Right. So Dave was a little more reasonable and a little more straightforward. He admitted to torturing and whipping V. Hill, but he claimed that all of it was consensual. It was a part of a cold turkey program to beat her heroin addiction. Oh my word. Okay. Now trying to be as helpful as possible, he even made a pencil drawing of the butt plug, telling the astonished agent how he inserted it into V Hill. He finally said that uh well, I'm talking too much. Probably should get a lawyer because uh I know I think I'm in a lot of trouble. Wow, he's he's a he's a fucking nut. He's now, nuts, but
1: like still an idiot. You know what Still an idiot
0: because he's so arrogant. And three days later, they interview Montano. David was 59 at this point he was formally charged with kidnapping three counts of criminal sexual penetration assault with the intent to commit a violent felony, two charges of conspiracy to commit kidnapping and criminal sexual penetration Cindy was charged with kidnapping accessory to crime of uh, criminal sexual penetration assault with intent to commit a violent felony criminal sexual penetration and conspiracy to commit kidnapping. They each faced 93 years behind bars where 85,000 Dollars and fines. Now, Cindy, of course, flipped. She started singing like a fucking canary. Of course, she was singing like a canary the entire time.
1: You, get, you crack a beer for that girl? Oh no, you give her six pack, something. Cindy. No, no, not six pack, Cindy. But you also said that white wine will get yeah. her, get her going. <laughs>
0: Cindy had said that David dumped four to six people in the lake. She was telling everybody she split the bodies. He split the bodies down the middle. They needed to do it for buoyancy to put them in the lake. He had been doing this shit since he was a teenager. Now, the FBI dispatched two teams of investigators for for New Mexico, Arizona, and Texas, because we are talking about multiple locations here they had one person with one investigator draw the scene from the Santa Fe Santa Fe branch she was in charge of uh drawing out the actual um uh diagrams of every single item she literally left the trailer and she shot herself in the head with her service pistol what she was they were like what the fuck now david was tried for Angelica and Cynthia and Kelly. She, he was tried separately. Um, his def- sole defense was that everything was consensual. Kelly's case ended in a mistrial because two jurors found the story completely unbelievable. Ray got a retrial and was convicted on 12 counts. Uh, He agreed to a plea bargain and was sentenced to to, two in 2001 to 224 years in prison. He was trying to get a deal for his daughter, but she was still charged with criminal sexual penetration and kidnapping. Uh, She pled guilty to no contest and uh, pled pleaded no contest and received a 30 month sentence plus five years probation. Dennis Roy Yancey uh, pled guilty to Marie Parker's murder and confessed to helping Jesse. He was charged with kidnapping, tampering with evidence and two counts of conspiracy to commit a crime. He was sentenced to 30 years. They were not charged with the Parker's murder. Um, Cindy Hendy received 36 years and rec- and was released in July on July 15 2019 then on May 28 2002 David died of a heart attack right before he was about to be interrogated again wow and that is the story of the doorbox <laughs> that is nuts insane in the membrane
1: why are there people out there why are there people like that? sick as fuck out there acting stupid just, but they all find it's what really blew my mind is like all these people found each other
0: they did you know it's like birds of a feather flock together I'm my like, guy I would
1: never know like that people are such derelicts out there to where like you just do whatever you want to do for sex and or drugs in and the desert you find those people and they're like she'll do anything for her. yeah
0: she'll suck a dick if I'm crank.
1: Yeah. yeah. And then you're like, well, she likes it. So then you're like, okay, now I'm in a freaking
0: a fucking Yeah, no. <laughs> Didn't even mean to be. Shoot. So That's yeah. Nuts. So we're about to go get drunk now. Um Happy Hour. I'm tired. I'm tired after this. I will say that. It is
1: mentally exhausting.
0: Yeah, it's exhausting. So I hope you are no. You didn't enjoy it, but I hope you learned something. Don't go out there raping people. Don't be weird. Don't touch people without consent. Don't. If you want to engage in some sex bondage, some weird shit, do all of it, but make sure that motherfuckers sign on. That's all I say. Just mm-hmm. make sure everybody say that I want to do it. Don't just be like, "Oh, I'm gonna kidnap you," and then I'm
1: sure there's a safe way to do it. Yeah,
0: there is definitely a safe Google way to it. do it. Yeah, and there are people who enjoy deep penetration and all types of freaky shit and you don't have to you know there's a person for everybody you don't have to find unsuspecting victims but the thing is is that part of it was fear he wanted he wanted fear so yeah all right y'all we gotta eat love you mean it sal yes you got anything
1: no Uh, But thank you for having me back again.
0: (laughs) I know. It's a beautiful episode
1: for you. Wow. We'll be (laughs) be talking about this and thinking about this while we're having drinks. Exactly.
0: All right, y'all. Peace.
1: Peace.